In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. Content warning. Check the show notes for more information. It's November 8th, 1999, and another remarkable event is about to be uncovered by Aria, Rebecca, and Ali, the Retrospectors. So it was today in history in 1999 that Bruce Miller was shot in the back of the neck and died. Now, who was Bruce Miller? Well, that's sort of the issue. He was not an obvious candidate for assassination. He wasn't part of a gang. He was basically a nobody, a 48-year-old white guy who ran a salvage yard for auto parts in Flint, Michigan. And although his murder was staged to look like a robbery, pretty soon the police pieced together the love triangle behind what became known as the first internet homicide. Yeah, and Bruce Miller had had a pretty storied romantic history up to this point as well. He'd been married and divorced three times already when he hired a struggling single mother called Sherry Kitley, 20 years his junior, to be his bookkeeper at the scrapyard. He was a former General Motors employee before opening his own business. And they immediately had a lot in common. You know, they had 20 years age difference between them, but Sherry had two failed marriages under her belt by this point too. And in fact, she had actually just appeared on the Montel Williams show, that old American uh, Mm. chat show accusing her ex-husband of physically abusing their baby. So she had also had a pretty troubled personal life by the time they came together. Yeah, they had a pretty whirlwind romance after she started working at Bruce's auto salvage yard. Uh, But after four months of dating, they decided to get married and they went to Vegas to do that. And in the beginning, their marriage seemed a pretty happy one, actually. Seemed like no one was going to die within the next seven months. Yeah, it seemed like everyone (laughs) was going to stay without any bullets in the back of their neck. (laughs) (laughs) That wasn't the case. Um, Because, and this is the weird thing, Cherie then gets addicted to online chat rooms. And she moved in uh, with her kids to Bruce's house. But when she was alone, Cherie was using these internet chat rooms to flirt with people, including a chap named Jerry Cassidy. Yeah, Jerry Cassidy was 39 years old at the time of the murder. He was basically like a character in a 1970s thriller. He'd been a homicide detective, but he'd been pushed off the force after reporting corruption. And at this point, he was working in casino security in Reno. He was depressed, drinking heavily, and he was quickly drawn in by the thrill of this new online relationship. He was actually, I mean, he didn't know this, he was one of many. Cherie would say later that she did this all day, you know, she was juggling all of these online relationships. And in fact, I mean, obviously it makes sense to tell the story in the way that we have, that she was married to Bruce while she was having this online flirtation with Jerry. But actually... Uh, the timeline is she'd started flirting with Jerry before she even met Bruce. Mm. Like, this is someone she'd had on the go for a while. 
Yeah, and the relationships weren't just flirtatious and indeed, you know, pornographic, realistically. It was beyond flirtatious. I mean, dial-up internet in 1999, the only way it got <laughs> pornographic was she sent him a video in the post, although that also became relevant later. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, this was the time when people were getting really excited about the potential for cyber sex, but a term that you don't hear very often anymore. But it wasn't just sexual. She said later that she got a kick out of manipulating all of these men, you know, pulling their strings, speaking from prison, spoiler alert. Uh, she said, it was like a video game and each man and each relationship was another level to me and each level was harder it was seeing how much I could get away with how much I could make somebody believe yeah so one of the things that she had Jerry believe was that she was a very wealthy woman which uh, appealed to Jerry who was struggling financially and just three months after she uh, married Bruce she actually flew out to Reno to meet Jerry and started an actual physical affair she told her husband that she was going to Reno for a Mary Kay convention which is one of those kind of um, cosmetics uh, brands. Like Diane Weist and Edward Scissorhands, that. Yeah, it's definitely not a pyramid scheme because they still exist but anyway, um, she went out there ostensibly to take part in that convention but actually she was there to meet Jerry. And then their instant messages to each other, they were using AOL mostly went from being I will be your rock, I will be your soulmate winter is only good for one thing, that's getting snowed in and loving all day to becoming can you kill my husband, please? Mm. Uh, so what she did to effectively groom Jerry Cassidy, really, to, to be in the position where he might be the man that would pull the trigger, is she lied to him. Mm. And one of the things she said, and this is why it's important that they had met in real life and sort of, if you like, really had sex, was that she said she was pregnant with their child and forwarded him photos via email of scans, etc., which were actually scans from one of her former pregnancies as it later emerged she couldn't have been pregnant because she'd had a medical procedure to be sterilized by that point yeah she portrayed bruce as being a controlling violent jealous guy she hinted that he was involved with the mafia as well which was completely contrary to the real life situation you know she'd moved her kids into his home and by all accounts he treated them as if they were his own you know he really wanted a stable normal family life but that was not the picture that she was painting to cassidy and she claimed that she had lost their baby because a jealous bruce had beaten her so by this point Cassidy is, you know, he's devastated and he's enraged. He was very ripe to fall into the role of the murderer. I mean, Cherie later said that she saw all the planning of the murder as being a fantasy, but that when she met Jerry at a truck stop on his way to carry out their plan, she then realised it was real. That's her version of events mm. anyway. Yeah, by way of confirming her story about having lost his babies, she sent Jerry photos of her bruised abdomen. Again, later it came out that she'd uh, done that up with uh, cosmetics, probably from uh, the Mary Kay Mary convention K. that she'd attended. Um, <laughs> but very soon after this, uh, she told Jerry that once again she was pregnant, and this time she was pregnant with twins. And Jerry actually begged Cherie to leave Bruce and take her kids and come live with him so she said that she couldn't leave Bruce because he'd kill her if she left it was pretty detailed you know what was later discovered about how she had told him how to commit this murder it wasn't just egging him on and then saying oh do it if you want it was detail about how loud will the gun be um, here's where to park when you get to the junkyard you know even this is how you should pull alongside the office so that when you exit from the driver's side your gun won't be spotted mm. so although you know it was second degree murder it was very clear that she was pulling the strings uh from 800 miles away 
Yeah, and I mean, she continued to enjoy the drama after the murder as well. You know, she really embraced the public-facing role of grieving widow. And obviously, on the surface, it was a sad story, you know, about this single mother who'd found this nice guy that had sort of taken her and the kids in, and then he'd been murdered in a senseless random attack. But she also had the gall to try and stitch up a former friend of Bruce's called John Hutchison. Mm. They'd fallen out over a debt that Hutchison owed him. He was the number one suspect. He had to go through, you know, the rigmarole of being seen as, you know, suspect number one in this murder case while she sat back and hoped that the attention didn't get back to her. And even when Cherie was in court for the murder, her defence continued to push this Hutchison narrative. You know, they pointed out that she stood to gain little money from Bruce's death. You know, he wasn't a wealthy man. And that the fact that she pretty much ghosted Cassidy immediately afterwards showed that love wasn't the motive either. You know, their point was, why would she do this? What did she stand to gain? She may also have not ended up in court at all had uh, Jerry not taken his own life because... The cops were buying this story about Hutchison being the murderer that actually brought him in for questioning. And even though he'd denied any involvement in the death of his late friend, Bruce, he actually failed a polygraph test. And that led authorities to believe that they were, you know, they had their killer. But then Jerry Cassidy took his own life with the 20 gauge shotgun, which was the same type used in the murder of Bruce Miller. So authorities uh, would never have probably made this connection had they not been aware of Cherie and Jerry's affair, which came out via the fact that Jerry had left these clues in a briefcase for his brother that he said if anything ever happened to him, his brother should open this up and he'd find out exactly what had gone on. Yeah, so there were loads of notes saying essentially what had happened with the whole shebang there. One says, I drove there and killed him. Cherie was involved and set it up. I have all the proof and I'm sending it to the police. She will get what's coming. So pretty clear. Plus, of course, he was an ex-cop. So the police trust his word and in his possession is a physical videotape of her. Mm. So all of the dots get connected and then the police employ for the first time, really. This is 1999 a computer forensics guy to go through the hard drives and uncover all the messages that they sent to each other, which is how this came to be known as an internet murder. Yeah, and when the case went to trial just before Christmas in the year 2000, it was those extracted messages, plus reams of printed out chat room logs that had been in the briefcase that Jerry Cassidy left behind, that became the key piece of evidence. Cherie tried to explain the messages, you know, she explained that the sexual aspect was fantasy, that the lies about Bruce's mob connections were her attempt to kind of end the relationship with Jerry, and that the murdery parts were somehow falsified, you know, she kind of trying to play on the fact that this was all relatively new technology and a lot of people weren't familiar with the internet and chat rooms the way that they would be now. And in the jury room, jurors were split because they weren't sure if it was possible to fake or falsify messages, as she had claimed. Mm. And this led to there being a pretty heated atmosphere in the jury room. Uh, One juror later recounted, people were crying, fists were pounded on the table. She maintained her innocence right the way up until 2016, but then did write a letter confessing. Mm. Uh, I was living two lives, she said, and I got caught up and I didn't want to get caught, so I planned a murder and went through with it. I thought I could cover it up by having Bruce murdered. I cannot deny this anymore. And actually, ironically, had she pled guilty beforehand in the first place, she'd be out of prison now anyway, because it carried a maximum possible sentence of 15 years. And the case did receive a lot of publicity for the reasons we've outlined, and it inspired a 2006 Lifetime movie with the very Lifetime movie title Fatal Desire, starring Eric Roberts and Anne Hesch. I guess Fatal Desire because Fatal Attraction was already taken and it was a massive (laughs) film. (laughs) And calling it the AOL murderer just doesn't feel very Lifetime, does it? (laughs) Tomorrow. With 
swamps and snakes and heat and smallpox and malaria and yellow fever. Ditch the ads and get a Sunday episode when you join Club Retrospectors. Patreon.com slash Retrospectors. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum.